0: Uh, psalm one hundred and thirty, or just find Psalm one hundred and thirty-one. If you've got the U um, version Bible Bible app, and we're gonna—it's a really short psalm. So if we could read, if somebody could find it in the Message version first, then in the NLT message. version, and then in the ESV. It's only like three verses, so it's not going to take really long at all. Okay. <coughs> so. Uh, Okay, so Ralston, R- you're going to do the Message version. Whoever here's going to do the NLT, Becca, can you just have you got? Uh, yeah, okay, great. Sorry, Duncan, which verses again? Uh, it's all three verses three, yeah. of um, not, but Ralston, not just yet. Let's wait until we've got all the people sorted out. Okay, so Ralston, you're going to do Psalm h- 131 in the Message verses one to three. Annie hasn't got her glasses, but do you want to? Pre- and then, could somebody read it in the ESV? Somebody wave the hands. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Right. Are we ready? Ralston, go. God, I am not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business, or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. Like a baby content in its mother's arms, my soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God, wait with hope. Hope now, hope always. Brilliant. Thanks, Rastan. Psalm 131, verses 1 to 3. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Verse two, but I have come and queered my soul like a weaned child with with his m- mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. And verse three, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Fantastic. Thank you. And can we get right could you are you all right to do right? Yeah, right up that. Um, was that the ESV or the NLT? Could we do the NLT? Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a wine baby who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a wine baby, wine child is my wind child, winded child, sorry, is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, So this morning, we're continuing our series on discipleship in an instant society. Oh, it is there. Oh, well done. Great. Fantastic. And uh, we're going to do it on humility, and it's going to be the best sermon you're ever going to hear. So I just, although it's really difficult not to say that, it's just the obvious joke you have to say. Okay. Um, But we're going to look this morning about the different characteristics that we are called to have as Christians. And one of them is this call to be humble, the call to humility. And uh, uh, some of the uh, garden, uh, some of the plants in the garden that we have at home, and I don't know if you've been to our house, but I I really like gardening. Jill and I both, we really like gardening. We like trying to shape something out of our garden. But there there are certain plants that just have to be cut back. There are certain plants, we have one plant in particular, a fuchsia, and it's just by the steps, and every year it has this really wonderful flower, and I keep thinking, right, we're just gonna leave that, and then every year without fail, Jill says to me, oh, don't forget to cut the fuchsia back, and I feel, no, I can't do that, because it looks so lovely, and it will grow, and yet what happens is, and she's right, and then I cut it all the way back, as I'm told to, and then the next year, you know what happens? It just grows back a little bit stronger, but more beautiful and more and more flowers. And then, of course, you may well know that the, the most, most arrogant plant in the, in the, in the uh, garden, it's a rose, isn't it, obviously? Roses despise other plants because they're so beautiful. And roses well, it will only grow on new, new, new growth, won't they? If there's an old growth, they think, I'm not bothered with that. I will only grow new growth. So roses are like that, but they just like new growth. And when you cut roses back, they just grow again wonderfully. And they are very, very fruitful. Psalm 131 is a little bit like Jill's reminder to cut the fuchsia back. It's a little bit like a reminder to say there are sometimes, there are some things that we have to prune away in our lives for us to be more fruitful. And it's this cool to walk a path of humility. What happens is that sometimes with plants is that if their roots are here and their branches go so long and so like wiggly and they go right over here, the the, 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 end, plants gets, the end leaves get so far from the roots, they can't really survive. And they can't really get all the nutrients they need to flower beautifully over there because they're so far from the roots. And it's the same with us. That sometimes we can get so far ahead of what God is doing, we just need to come back. And we need to sort of like we need to prune some things in our lives so that we our hearts can come closer to God's heart. Our hearts can be closer to the roots of what God is doing in our lives. There are so many verses in the Bible that encourage us to walk a humble life. But you know what? I don't think it's. It's not something that I don't think that just grows naturally. You know, there are some people who think, yeah, you're very humble and you have much to be humble about. You know, there's something, but there are lots of reasons you're thinking, no, there are, actually, it's not something that we naturally, the world doesn't encourage you to be humble. Trust me, it doesn't. It's not saying this is a really good thing for you to grow in your life. The world is saying, no, Get on, strive, grab anything that isn't nailed down, anything that you can get, do it. Get the promotion, get the bigger house, get whatever you want, get the bifold doors, whatever you can, get them. The world doesn't say, I really want you to live a humble life. But do you know what? The Bible says this, that God opposes the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And we've got a really good example in Jesus who, you know, like when, when Dom came up earlier and shared that picture of everything about Jesus written everywhere. Yeah, I, mean, Jesus, I mean, he's the king of the world. He was right there before time began. The greatest like discussions you can have is with atheists. And you say, well, what happened before that and before that and before that? You know, what happened before the Big Bang? But what happened before? Who was that? Jesus was there. Okay. Jesus was there. And yet he was one of the most humblest people That we can know. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man does nothing by himself. He only does what he sees his Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. No, I would say, no, that's wrong. Jesus, you can work out what to do. You created all this stuff. You can work it out. You can do it. He says, no. What I see the Father doing, that's what I'm going to do. And then he says this, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. I love it. There's a. Oh, we'll come on to that in a minute. Uh, Psalm, Psalm, uh, Isaiah 57 says this, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the holy place with those who? Oh, I thought, I thought for a moment, I thought, Michelle, that is amazing. Oh, my word, Michelle, you know scripture like the back of your hands. But you don't, you cheated. <laughs> she does, she does. You do know it. But if you want to know, if you want, like the truth of this verse, the Holy One to come and live with you, what do we need to have? A holy, humble, and contrite heart. In arrogance and pride, we often say, look, I've got the answers. I think I can work out the solution. I think, God, I'm probably good on this one. I don't actually need your help here. I'm probably good to go on this. I can work it out. But in humility, what we say is this. God has the answers. Jesus is the solution. And we, whisper, we listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. If we just look at... Um, that like verse what if you can go on Dapo to when it uh, highlighted verse one. Yeah. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. That whole pr- phrase of eyes being lifted up, heart being lifted up, is basically there are expressions in the Bible that just saying, no, do you know what I am good enough on my own, I can do this myself. And we have, we just established this goal of ambition that right, I mean, even in church, we can see it. No, this is a great goal to have. A great, you know, we want to be ambitious as a church. We want to grow. We want to plant more churches. We want to do this. We want to see more people saved. And, and, and we just need to be so, so careful because some of those things, they put us at the center. Did you know what? We have not counted how many people come to this church for probably seven or eight years. And yet everybody tells us, you've got to count how many people are coming to church. Because how will you know how you're doing unless you count? How will you know unless this term you've got this number of people and then next term you've got this number of people? And you're thinking, I'm not going to do it. I'm never going to do it. Do you know Why? Because if the number goes down, I feel really bad. And if the number goes up, I feel proud. Either way, it's not very good, is it? But all I want to do is say, no, we just need to pursue Jesus and do what he is saying to us. But where's an ambition, even in the church, the interesting thing is that I do aspire to do all that God's called us to do. And we need to work out the difference between an ungodly ambition and a godly aspiration to do all that God has got us to do. And the difference is this, that one comes from looking at ourselves and the other comes from looking at Jesus. Ambition comes from looking at ourselves. But we aspire to do all that God wants us to do when we look at Jesus and we just stand close to him. It's not about goals and targets or ministries. It's about simply looking at Jesus. As this verse from... From Hebrews, I love this verse. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And How do we do it? We do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And I would say that, If you want to be a humble man or woman of God, find out and discover what God has called you to do and do it. And don't let anyone ask you to do anything else. (laughs) Find out what God has gifted you to do. And then when somebody like me comes up and says, "Uh, Michelle, I really need you to do this, you can say, do you know what? God's called me to do this. This is what I'm going to do. Not in a bad way, but there is something about finding out what God has gifted you to do. And we will all be different. And please, please I don't know how much we can how we, we can stress this, but please do not copy other people that you see in the church. Don't copy and think, oh, I really wish I was like them. I really wish I looked like them. I sounded like them. I would as able to do... Because God has gifted you to do something. And there is something that is really humbling about finding what God has called you to do and doing the hat and not copying other people. I just We will become so much more abundantly fruitful and it will be so much more fun. And so it would just be amazing if we can just do this. We find out what God's called us to do and we do that with real passion and enthusiasm and joy. Does anybody know um, the guy, uh, uh, Colin Wilkinson? Colin Wilkinson over at the well. I love that man so much. He's, the, he's one of the most down to earth guys that I know. Okay. He came out to Malta with us. Now, I don't, there, I don't want to dress like Colin Wilkinson because that would be shameful. And he's a West Ham fan. And there was, but do you know what? There's something about Colin that I just think, but I. I don't want to be like Colin, but there are parts of him that I want to emulate. And so the the key is, find out what God has called you to do. Don't copy other people. But if you find characteristics in other people that you think, no, that is a godly characteristic, aspire to be like that. And you know the one thing that I just love about Colin Wilkinson is this. Every morning he wakes up and he says this. And he's got a prayer, and I really wish I could remember it. But he just says, Jesus, whatever you want me to do today, here I am. Amen. And then when he goes to bed at night, and he keeps saying it, he says, when I go to bed, I just say, Jesus, I hope I've done everything you called me to do today. Amen. But the thing is, anybody can say that. Anybody can just say, well, this is what I say. But there is something about Colin that I totally believe him. Because when you're around him more and more, he just, that's what he does. If you're sitting in a restaurant with him, he just says, I think God's going to, I'm just going to go and pray with that person, if you don't mind. You order for me, I'll go and pray with them. And then when we were out in Malta, we'd be out in these sort of like, you know, central town centres. And we were, (coughs) excuse me, we were all thinking, I don't really know what to do here. And we'd we'd sit around sort of like slightly nervously thinking, should we go and pray for them? Colin just says, no, I'm off. I'm going to go and pray with somebody. He's the most delightful character that you could possibly want. So the, the key is this find out what God has called you to do and do it, don't let anyone distract you, but if you find people with characteristics that you think, I want to be like that, then that is good to copy. We're not called to be proud, to think that we can do it all, but humility comes when we say, Jesus, we're looking at you, we're looking at you. And I think there'll be some people who are in corporate settings, in business settings and you're not encouraged to live a humble life. But I just feel God would say to you today, I will make you more fruitful in your humility and people will see your humility and they will be like Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house and you will be promoted and promoted when you've learnt the art of humble leadership. Not trying to be something that you're not, being everything that God has made you to be. Verse 2, just gone to verse 2. But I've calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. It's a really strange analogy. Can I ask you to do a little bit of work for me? Could you just turn to the person next to you or find somebody and think, what on earth does that mean? What does it mean? Just come up with some solutions. Is there lots of discussion going on? I don't see you chatting. See you ch- Pardon? Be positive. Be positive. No, I'm being humble. <laughs> okay, right, have we got some answers? Oh, what does it mean? Anybody want to suggest something? Like, a, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Why would they say that? Surely we should be saying, no, we're utterly dependent on, on Jesus. We're utterly dependent on totally, uh, totally on anything for God. Uh, any solutions? Jerry, well done. I did see you weren't actually discussing it at length. With, but anyway, you're yeah, Okay, right, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> Contentment with, uh, with the simplicity of the gospel, what Jesus has done. Yeah. Fantastic. Anything else? When a child is weak, like, they don't depend on their mother anymore. But they know their mother will feed them. So they're just having that contentment and knowing that God is going to feed them. Yeah. Fantastic. So they just, did everyone hear that? Mm-hmm. A, a child just trusts that their mother will feed them. But it's not that immediacy of being, you know, fed, you know, breastfed. Yeah. Anything else? Anybody else wanted to add anything? I think, Kenny, what you just said is, and Jerry, what you're saying is, is, the, is the answer that there is a when, a... when a child is weaned and they're no longer being breastfed, there is something about just being content to be with the mother. That the mother won't feed them directly, but the, the mother will provide for them. But they just—they sometimes they learnt what it is just to be in the mother's presence and to enjoy the mother's presence. And there is, a, there is a Christian model for childlike faith when it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. But there's not a helplessness in that. You know, there's, we're not helpless in coming to God. And like, sometimes a weaned child can choose to come to their mother or not. You know, and I think sometimes God would say to us, you know, you can choose to come to me or not. You can choose to be like Colin Wilkinson and wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Or, or not. Or you can wake up in the morning and you can read the news or read your emails. But we, we all have a choice. We all have a choice about where we, where we find ourselves with God, and we always have a choice of how much we turn to him. But there is something about a weaned child that they have learned the desire for their mother for their own right rather than simply being fed for them. And I think when we had this, this conference that we were talking about, there was something about a Sunday morning two weeks ago when we were in worship and I felt there was just a real peace and a calmness to the worship that I absolutely loved. And I felt, Jesus, I don't want anything from you at this point. I just want you. Heavenly Father, I'm content with whatever you have for me. I just want to be in your presence. And I feel that that is the beginning of maturity, I think. I think I'm growing in my faith. Do you know sometimes when you're an early Christian, you're thinking, oh, God did this for me. God changed this. God provided this. And as you grow older, you think, God, it doesn't seem quite like that anymore. I'd like to go back to that moment where you just provide everything for me. And, and perhaps there's a moment of being equally secure when God doesn't provide for you as when he does. And perhaps that's the, we're learning the art of, of humble maturity in Christ. Jesus, I am happy just simply to be in your presence, to love him for who he is rather than what he provides for us. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. To the weaned child, his mother is a comfort, though she has denied him comfort. It is a blessed mark of growth out of spiritual infancy when we forego the joys which once appeared essential and find our solace in him who denied them to us. We're just finding our joy in God, and I feel that that is one of the marks of what it is to grow in being a humble Christian. I've calmed and quieted my soul simply by looking to Jesus. Verse 3. Going on to the, to the last verse. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. There's this sense of God encouraging us to be content and happy to be in his presence. And I know that there have been times in my life when I have st- like strived for things. And I felt, <clears throat> if I'm, you know, i have a slight sort of therapy session here. Perhaps the first 10 years of leading the church, I think I strived and tried to make church happen, if I'm really honest with you. And if you're still here from 10 years ago, well done. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done for sticking it through. But I think we tried to make church happen, and we thought we've got to do this. And, we, and actually, somehow, I think things turned around. And I personally feel that we're entering into a, like, one of our most fruitful times as a church. When we are not bothered about whether the church grows or what, but what we are bothered about is we just want to be close to Jesus. And when we can understand what Jesus is saying to us, and when each one of us are encouraging us. So this last verse, it says, now Israel, I hope that you go on. Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And I want us to be constantly encouraging us to say, no, keep finding what Jesus is saying to you. Keep focused on him. Keep worshipping him. Keep delighting in him. And do you know what? He will cause you to grow and to be extraordinarily fruitful. I think, Helen, when you were saying about all the stuff in the conference and you think, you know, you're pressing into all that God has got for us. I think that means that when we look to Jesus, we are not uppermost in our own minds. And that's what creates a humble heart. That's why Jesus calls us to humility. Hebrews 12 says this, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the perfect champion who initiates and perfect perfects our faith. Can I just invite you to just to stand with me for a moment? In a moment, we are Going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. We do not grow in humility by simply striving to be humble. We grow in humility when Jesus fills our gaze, when Jesus fills our days, when Jesus fills everything that we do every place we go to in every way Jesus is foremost and Jesus I want to ask Lord that you would come and and lead us now I pray for those of us who tomorrow when we go to work knowing, know that we face a challenging environment and a difficult moment, a difficult meeting, a difficult work colleague. And I pray Lord cultivate within us this afternoon a heart that looks to you, that we might be humble in that situation, that we would be saying to you, Jesus, what would you do? What would you say? And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and anoint us with courage to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be obedient to all that you're calling us to do. Do that, Lord. And I want to pray in a moment, particularly for people who perhaps are not quite sure the key gifts that God has given them and the key thing that God has asked them to do. And in a moment I'm just going to ask you to respond by just opening your hands and then I'm going to pray for you that the the Holy Spirit would come and anoint you that over the coming days and weeks you would have a, a clearer and clearer conviction that you would be able to say this is what God has called me to do. And if you're really unsure, then I personally would really like to talk to you to help you work out what is the shape of your life. So if you feel a lack of clarity in the key gifts that God has given you and what God has called you to do, just open up your arms like this. Jesus, we are looking to you. We're looking to you, O God, now to come and anoint us, to come and fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we might be your men, your women, your people, O God, that we'd understand afresh what you called us to do, that we might bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, come and minister to us, I pray. I wonder if the band could come back. Thanks, Manolo. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you. Yes, come draw close to us, Lord. gaze more and more. Cultivate a heart in us, Lord, that we we look to you. We read the gospels to try and hear you speak to us. Jesus. And cultivate within us, O oh Lord, a calm and quietened soul. soul that is content to be in your presence Jesus calm and quieten our souls Lord that we might be fruitful in you and not in ourselves Lord